No intro needed. Just straight me. This is episode one of the Stamp of Approval podcast. I am Bobby Stamps, your host. And moving forward, I will be putting my stamp of approval on things. Yeah, I know that's kind of corny. Uh, using my the, the, my name, play on my name. Uh, but a good friend of mine that I trust a lot told me that the title should be a play on my name. What's up, Hub? So I'm going to call it Stamp of Approval because it's mine. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I know you got there are a lot of choices out there, and I really appreciate you choosing to um, to come and check me out. Um, moving forward, I'm going to be uh, doing this probably at, at, at the at the least uh, weekly. Uh, and now that we are into football season, and there's a lot to talk about, there's news being made every day. We may come a little more frequently, uh, and since I'm doing this solo, that gives me flexibility to do that. Uh, you know me from the Team EP podcast. You know me from the Monster and the Man podcast uh, with, uh, respectively, my homeboy Mike Davis, Mikey D, Mike D the Master, and um, my brother from another mother, Eric Jordan, up in West Virginia, uh, a.k.a. DJ Monster Lung. Um, and I love those guys, but quite frankly, all we, life happens. You know, we all have families. We all have wives. We all have children. Uh, you guys know I have a nine-year-old that's busy right now with he's doing football and and with school and practice and and other things and family things. It's just hard to carve out time to do you know when you have to coordinate that with someone else, uh, and it just it was hard for Mike and myself and Eric and myself to get on the same schedule. We are working to get on the same schedule and and to make those podcasts go because I think each of those podcasts brought something unique. Uh, to the table and um, with you know for Mike you know Mike's got big things going he's got his website his handicapping website MikeDavisWins.com I would highly suggest that you check that out if you uh, need a little bit of information or you want a little bit of help uh, picking some winners in whatever sport football baseball basketball is coming up soon I would highly suggest you go check Mike out Uh, Eric DJ Monsterlung is up in West Virginia uh, as you know, he's running that program at the university uh, for all for the kids. Uh, he does a lot around town with music. He's really active. He's a DJ around town. He promotes shows. Uh, he manages artists. He produces music. Uh, so it's hard for us to get together, but we are going to work that out, and we're going to continue those podcasts. But for now, I'm going to come. Uh, I'm going to come solo. I'm going to focus on. Uh, what's going on around here and, and here being Atlanta, uh, being Georgia. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, the local teams and what's going on locally because, quite frankly, I think that's what you guys want to hear. Uh, I know we've got people from every, almost every major school represented out there, and, and we will try to talk about uh, your team. And, and if you have a team that you want to, that you're mad that we're not talking about, you know, let us know. We'll make it happen. Um, but you know, Georgia, we're talking about, that's, I think the majority of the people, I know we got a lot of Clemson people listening, uh, a lot of Clemson fans, some really good friends of mine are Clemson, um, fans. Uh, so we're gonna, uh, and, and you can't talk college football in the South without talking, uh, Dabo and Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. So we're going to talk about them. 
Going to talk about Alabama, same situation. Can't talk about football anywhere without mentioning Nick Saban in Alabama. We're going to talk about those guys. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Tennessee. It may not be pretty, uh, but but hey, it is what it is. I said I'm going to put my stamp of approval on things, and that is uh, a, a bad look out of Tennessee, everything that's going on up there. I would say I hope they get it fixed. I hope they get it right, but... Uh, when you're a dog like me, that's the last thing you want to see is Tennessee uh, having success. Uh, <clears throat> so let's move on. Let's let's get into it. College football. Uh, we are going into week four. Uh, don't look now, guys. The season is already a quarter behind us. We're 25% down. Um, most teams, like my dogs, uh, you know, we, we started off on the road at Vandy. We thought we were playing. We thought Vandy could be competitive. They, they have... They look like under Derek Mason that they may be taking some steps to be a little more competitive, but um, Georgia went up there and really, really, really had their way with them. Um, just I think the second half, Georgia ran eight different offensive plays. They just basically lined it, lined up and pounded, got out of there with a dominant win. Uh, then Vandy went up to Purdue and was embarrassed by the – uh, Big Ten or Big Twelve, whatever they're calling themselves now, uh, embarrassed by Purdue, didn't represent the conference very well, uh, and and made the the opening win by Georgia look a little less impressive. But Georgia, you know, they played Murray State, who they as expected they had their way with. Arkansas State guys was better than we think they were. Like you know, Georgia ends up just absolutely destroying them, fifty five nothing. Really good show of class by the dog nation. Um, you know, the, the pink out was organized kind of last minute. A lot of people, I did not go to the game. Uh, were, I, I saw the pictures and in, in the television coverage wearing pink in honor of, uh, coach Anderson for, um, Arkansas state's wife, ex, uh, deceit late wife is the word I'm looking for. Wendy, uh, who lost her battle with cancer. Um, Earlier this summer, I think it was about two weeks maybe before the season started. And so the Georgia, uh, the dog nation decided to honor her and asked everybody to wear pink. I think they probably uh, raised some money uh, to help fight cancer. So really good look there by dog nation. But regardless, Georgia blew out Arkansas State. And Arkansas State is they're they're an okay team. They're not one of those patsies that you just destroy. I'll tell you this, they're significantly better than Georgia State. How about that? If that tells you anything. And yeah, that was a dig at Tennessee. <laughs> um so I think with Georgia, we we we're pretty sure of what we have, but we don't know for sure. Uh, Notre Dame is in the same boat. They started off with with some patsies and just rolled um they're coming in here undefeated um both teams have question marks because they they have not been put to the fire but both teams have established coaches both teams have established quarterbacks and i so i expect the game to be pretty clean saturday because you've got you've got guys that have done it before this game is not the the environment uh the pressure is not going to be too big for either program, for either coach, coaching staff, uh, or, and definitely not quarterback. There may be some young guys on either sideline that are a little jittery coming out, uh, maybe a little too jacked up. That's 
That's going to be key to this game is don't don't lose the game in pregame. You know, don't go out there and lose. Don't be so jacked up that you just completely use all your energy in pregame. And that's something that I think Kirby and, and crew and Brian Kelly on that other sideline will, will guard against. I know Notre Dame has several guys from Georgia. Uh, they have some freshmen. And Tommy Trimble, whose dad, you some of you dog fans may remember Greg Trimble, the linebacker. I want to say he was from Moultrie. Uh, and, and that is for you people not from Georgia. If you wonder what Moultrie is, that's Cockwood County High School. Uh, and um, J.D. Bertrand, a kid that was a Georgia uh, kid, Georgia fan. He grew up, he was committed to Georgia back in uh, last year. And uh, for whatever reason, things didn't work out. He ended up uh, going signing with Notre Dame. So best believe they're going to be ready to play. Georgia fans, we know, Georgia the, and players, I think fans much more so than players have had this game circled for a long, long time. Uh, you you guys remember a couple of years ago, Georgia went up to Notre Dame and just took over Notre Dame Stadium. They had We had over 50% of the fans in the stadium were wearing red, and that's just unheard of. You, you think about it, you're, I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm thinking Notre Dame's, what, 800 miles from here? Uh, and, and, you know, not to mention, those Notre Dame tickets aren't cheap. Uh, Notre Dame tickets are very hard to come by. They have a very large alumni base. They have a national alumni base, and they also have a very affluent alumni base. So those tickets are hard to get. Uh, I was told by a Notre Dame booster that um, at the level they were on, they could only get one game as opposed to season tickets. So that tells you how hard it was and what money, how much money Dog Nation had to put out uh, collectively to get up there, one, to go that far from home, to, to travel, to stay in the hotels, to, to eat, to drink, and to, to shell out for the ticket. That is, I don't know if that shows, uh, you know, just how loyal Dog Nation is, how crazy they are, or, uh, you know, what their credit card limits are. One of the, one of those, but anyway, I think Notre Dame is going to look to come back down here and, uh, return the favor. I think they're bringing a big contingent that's going to have to get tickets on the secondary market. And the team, uh, the guys that were there a couple of years ago, will want to avenge that loss at Notre Dame Stadium when true freshman at the time, Jake Fromm, making his first start uh, after Jacob Eason's injury against App State, Jake Fromm goes up there, starts the ball game, and is able to lead Georgia to a 20-19 to win. Um, those guys that were that led that dominant defense up there, Roquan and Lorenzo Carter, Davin Bellamy, you remember, had some big plays. They're gone. But i tell you who's back. Tyler Clark really dominated that game on the interior. Notre Dame had all those first-round offensive linemen, and I remember Tyler Clark absolutely ragdolling guys. And these guys that are now getting paid big money to play, Tyler Clark's back. He seems to be back to form this year. I don't know if last year Tyler Clark had uh, a little nagging injury. I don't know what it was, but but he did not play up to his uh, sophomore year uh, effectiveness. And, I th- and this year he seems to be back. I look for big things out of Tyler Clark this year and this game. Um, and I think that he will be part of the, the reason that Georgia ultimately comes out with a win. This game's going to be won, as all games are, on the lines of scrimmage. Uh, Georgia has advantages on both lines of scrimmage. They have a distinct advantage on the offensive line. 
And not to say that Notre Dame has a, a weak defense, it's just Georgia's offensive line is the best in the country, and each position has more than one guy that can do that. I look for Georgia's offense to control the ball, to grind on that Notre Dame defensive front uh, and, and pull away late. I look for um, you know James Coley not to put our freshman receivers, George Pickens, Dominic Blaylock, uh, Matt Landers is not a freshman, but he's receiving his first playing time. Um, I don't think he'll try to put those guys in positions to to have to make plays. I think he'll wait for the plays to come to them. Demetrius Robertson is banged up. He may or may not be 100%. Tyler Simmons is banged up. Uh, same situation. He may or may not be 100%. So I look for James Coley to try to really pound these Irish. I think uh, – if I can borrow a term from Marcellus Wallace in Pulp Fiction, I think James Coley's going to get medieval on the Irish uh, in that defense. I think they're going to get a healthy dose of uh, DeAndre Swift and Brian Harrion, Zamir White, James Cook, Kenny McIntosh. I think those guys are all going to, to see the ball a good bit. Uh, and I think for Georgia's going to rack up some rushing yards. Look, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia ends up with uh, – you know, plus 250 rushing in that game. And then I think they will, once they get the Irish softened up, they will be, they'll hit some passes over the or over the top uh, to George Pickens. George Pickens looks like he is truly uh, that guy we thought he was coming out of high school. Uh, you see him out there on the field walking around. He looks similar to what Julio, Julio Jones did uh, his rookie year with the Falcons. I mean, this guy is a physical freak. He has insane body control to catch the football. Uh, he, he, everything he does, it looks effortless. Even when he dives to make plays, it, it just looks easy. George Pickens guys, enjoy him while you got him. He'll be gone in three years. He'll be a first round draft pick of some lucky team in three years. Uh, let's sit back and enjoy him. Um, look, flipping over to the defense, kind of same thing with Nolan Smith, y'all. Same thing I just said about George Pickens. Nolan Smith is an absolute dog. Nolan Smith showed up at Georgia to do two things. Earn a starting position and drink some cold beer. And we're all out of cold beer. Nolan Smith came to Georgia to take somebody's job, and, and he's done it. Uh, he And as an 18-year-old kid, he's dominant so far. Now, granted, he has not seen big-time offensive tackles yet either, uh, except in practice. But for now, it looks like he is that dude. Um, and, and they, Georgia's defense, they've, they've got those dudes all over the place. Uh, everybody knows Jermaine Johnson from last chance. You, he has shown up, he is ready to play. Uh, he's, you know, he is a starter, but they rotate all those guys in. Everybody gets plenty of snaps to stay fresh. Olajari, I told you before the season was going to be a player to watch. And he looks like he's flashed that like he, that he's going to be a star. Adam Anderson, we all know he's back after a year in the weight room. He was just electric last year as a true freshman, kind of undersized. Now he's got a little weight on him. He's still got his speed. He's making plays. Stars all over that defense. We may be without Tyson Campbell at corner. Um, he has what Kirby said was a foot injury, uh, but that he would probably be ready to play. Uh, if there's one thing I know at cornerback, you don't want to have a foot ailment at all. So I don't know. If we'll see Tyson Campbell, if we don't, uh, I know the coaches feel really good about Tariq Stevenson backing him up. They feel really good uh, about Daniel, the kid that's a JUCO guy. We ended up getting 
uh, that had been committed to South Carolina. He and uh, Stevenson will get snaps at that cornerback. Uh, and on the other side, you know, we have the dude who came in and just flat out busted his butt. He was an afterthought. Eric Stokes was signed because he was he had won, he was just so fast in the hundred meters. They figured, let's see if we can make a player out of him and give Mel Tucker credit. Mel Tucker worked with this guy, and Mel Tucker made this kid. And the defensive tackle, a lot of people did. But Eric Stokes now is is our leading defensive back, leading cornerback, with he and J.R. Reed are the leaders uh, in that secondary. Uh, Eric Stokes' guy is going to the NFL, and he is a good cornerback for us. He, uh, he picked up where DeAndre Baker left off last year, uh, and so that cornerback position at Georgia is in good hands. Um, so I think the Georgia defense that will match up well with that Notre Dame offense. Notre Dame offense, you're looking at it starts and ends with Ian Book, the quarterback. Uh, he he's a dual threat guy. Um, he'll probably make some plays with his legs this week. It's hard to keep those dual threat guys truly in check, but I look for Ian Book to make some plays with his legs, uh, and he will. You know, it's that old cliche. He will get his. He's too good not to get his. But I don't think that he can keep up uh, with the Georgia offense, he and that Notre Dame offense can keep up. I think the Georgia defense will be a little too tough for them, and I think Georgia will pull away uh, late. I know people are, are talking about the spread being 14 points. I don't think – if I'm playing this ball game, I'm, I don't feel good about laying 14. Uh, simply because, guys, Notre Dame's good. They have pride. Um, they have athletes. You know, let's – don't – trick ourselves into believing Notre Dame doesn't have athletes. They've got 41 kids on their roster that are from a Southern state or California. And then they've got a lot of kids that are not included in that 41 that are from Ohio and Pennsylvania, two football rich states. So Notre Dame has athletes. They got guys, a lot of them that are going to play on Sunday. Um, And 14 points is a lot to lay. Georgia may very well cover the 14, but I could easily see this game being a, um, you know, a 20 or a 17 or a 14 point game. And, you know, maybe Notre Dame getting a late score and, and Georgia winning by, you know, 10 or 12 or 14 or something like that. So I, I think it's just a game. Let's just watch it. Let's enjoy it. You know, if you, you don't have to bet on every game. If you want to bet on something, uh, you know, bet an over under. And, and I'm not even going to get into to who I think. I, I, I'm just watching this game. I'm not trying to play it. So let's just watch the game and enjoy it. Um, you know, I, I told, I promise you, we talk about Clemson. I mean, I was said earlier this year that in my preview that I thought that Clemson would be a little bit down this year. And I got a little bit of flack for that. And, you know, I, I, I still think I'm right there. Um, I think that Clemson will be it when they face one of the big boys in the playoffs, when they face a Georgia uh, when they face an LSU, when they possibly face an Ohio State or maybe even um, maybe even Oklahoma, I think Clemson will I, – I do think that they will be exposed on the line of scrimmage. Um, but it remains to be seen. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is great, but like I said, he can't throw the football laying on his back. Um, but they've got it going. I mean, they, they're playing that ACC schedule. They beat a, a Texas A&M team that, quite frankly, is just – they're just okay. Um, I think Auburn will beat them pretty handily this week. Um, and, the you know, the Jimbo, the rebuild will continue or whatever it is he's calling it down there. But Jimbo will get another year to get them right or 
whatever. You know, the main problem with Texas A&M, and I've said this forever, to, what do you need to win in the SEC? You need offensive linemen. You need defensive linemen. And, folks, there just ain't a lot of those caliber dudes in Texas. They're just not. And, you know, yeah, I'm not talking about one or two. I mean, you got to have a bunch of them. Because you got to have, you know, eight or ten defensive linemen that are dogs. You got to have, you know, 12 to 14 to 15 offensive linemen that are either dogs or they can grow into being dogs. And Texas A&M, they're still playing second fiddle to Texas down there. Uh, LSU's coming over into Texas. It's just going to be hard for Texas A&M to, to get those type of linemen consistently. Um, and I think I'm right here. You know, if, if you're a Texas A&M fan and you disagree with me, then, you know, write it down. Take a picture. We'll figure it out. Uh, notice when I was talking about Clemson, I did not say they would have problems with Alabama in the playoff. Guys, I'm sorry, but I uh, Alabama ain't making the playoff this year, Okay. They're just not. They have too many liabilities on defense. Uh, I know they have injuries, but injuries are part of it, and I'm not I'm, I'm not talking about injuries. I'm saying the team they put on the field has liabilities at defense, specifically at the linebacker position. When people rank Alabama number one and and say Alabama's this, you know, and I'm talking about you know current day, you're not watching the same team that I'm watching. I don't know if you're watching a tape from last year or two years ago, but this Alabama team here has deficiencies on defense, on the defensive line and at linebacker. And it will be exposed by decent team. You know, and it could be, I mean, South Carolina was kind of close to making that a game. Now, Alabama's offense will cover up a lot of that. Because their offense is good. I mean, Tua is good. And, and, and Najee Harris, good. They have four receivers that could come close, if not make, and be in the rotation for a lot of NFL teams. They're good. They're explosive. They're going to score. But what do we know? If a good defense heats up Tua, he has problems. He turns the ball over. He's not the most durable guy in the world. What happened last year when Alabama played LSU? They got on Tua. He didn't do very well. Georgia beat Tua like a rag doll in the SEC championship game and would have, was on the verge of blowing Alabama out if Jalen Hurts wouldn't have came in and, and saved him. Clemson got after him. It was ugly. Point is, guys, somebody a good defense is going to get after Tua and the offense isn't going to be as effective. And a good, a, a decent offense is going to exploit that weakness at linebacker, and the tide is going to be in trouble. I'm telling you that after the now it they they you know the SEC West isn't what it it's been in the past. You know it looks like Auburn may be the third best team in the West, and they're very marginal. It looks like. LSU looks to be for real. I think after the SEC championship game, after Alabama's played the their West uh, Division schedule in their cross-division games, which one of them's Tennessee, which is embarrassing, 
I think Alabama will have two losses after the SEC championship game, and I think they will miss the playoff. Tuesday, September 16, 8 o'clock p.m., I said it. Mark it down. I don't think this is Alabama's year. I think Alabama's down. Um, They have incredible athletes. They've recruited better than anybody. Uh, And it's very well possible that those guys improve with game action and uh, they're able to they're able to play the way Nick Saban expects them to. But the way they played against South Carolina, they were out of position based on athleticism. It wasn't that they didn't know what to do. They tried to make a play, and they physically could not make it. And we're talking about South Carolina here. Alabama's in trouble this year, guys. So we'll, let's get into to a little bit of games this weekend. Um, I know we, we obviously talked about Georgia-Notre Dame, the marquee game in the country. This year, this week, rather, we've got um, SEC action. Auburn is traveling down to College Station to hook up with uh, the aforementioned Texas A&M. Um, I like Auburn here. I think Auburn has a salty, salty defense. I think they're much stronger on the line of scrimmage than uh, Texas A&M is. The kicker here could be Bo Nix. Uh, Everybody remembers Bo Nix and that the play, you know, to beat Oregon. You know, I, I just, you know, the, but you look at that game. He was he left a lot to be desired. Bo Nix is he's he's a true freshman. What do you expect? Um, he's going to have to clean it up, and and uh, Gus Malzahn is going to have to put him in easier positions uh, to beat to win this game. But I think just from a line of scrimmage standpoint, Auburn has such a decided advantage. Uh, I look for Auburn to go down there and and, and beat Texas A&M. I think it'll be a close game. Uh, But uh, I do think Auburn pulls that one out. I just think Texas A&M, they need some help um, up front, particularly against Auburn and Derrick Brown and crew. Derrick Brown may be the number one defensive lineman taken this year. Um, Just an incredible, just a freak show as far as a talent. I mean, you're looking at a kid 6'5", 320-ish or whatever, um, just with insane athletic ability. I, I remember seeing a video of him in high school going out for a pass, playing tight end, and, you know, completely fully laying out, diving to catch a ball the way George Pickens did against uh, Murray State a couple of weeks ago. Just this great athlete, and I think he's going to have a good game Saturday. He and the rest of that D-line. I think Auburn's going to get that. Tennessee at Florida. Uh, who, I'm not talking about that game. That game's garbage. The game, the other um, game I think the eyes of the nation may be on, a lot of it is just Jim Harbaugh is such a polarizing figure. Wisconsin and Michigan, uh, that game will be at Camp Randall. Um, and for those of you who don't know where Camp Randall is, that is in Madison, Wisconsin. That's the home of the Badgers. Uh, Michigan... I don't know. What do we know? Who is Michigan? You know, every year they they recruit very well. They they win ball games. Jim Harbaugh is very hyped, and they've got players, and they send them to the NFL, and then they they disappoint. Jim Harbaugh is zero and six as an underdog while at Michigan, which means he he's can't beat anybody, or he hasn't beat anybody. Uh, that he wasn't supposed to beat. And what do good coaches do? 
They be, they win games they're not supposed to win. So I don't know what to think about Michigan. As you guys know, I was bullish on Michigan uh, coming into the season. I picked them to win the Big Ten over Ohio State. Um, now after seeing what they did against Army, I'm you know I'm not as jacked about it. Uh, I will say this. You know, when, when when teams play the service academies, especially on one week when you don't have a bye week or you don't open with them, you've got to take what happens kind of with a grain of salt because it's really, really hard to defend what those service academies do. And especially these guys don't exactly get up to play Army or Navy or Air Force. You know, if, you're, if your name is not, you know, Florida or Notre Dame or USC – it's hard for a team to get up and to, to pay attention to the coaches. The coaches tell you, you know, these guys can beat you, but you're sitting there as a player going, yeah, right, whatever. And I, so I'm not, I'm not looking at that Army game and really discounting Michigan too much because of it, but at the same time, your eyeballs tell you that Michigan may not be what they, they have, maybe they haven't played to their potential or they just, or worse yet for Wolverine fans, they have played to their potential. Um, you know, I know a lot of people down south tried to tell Michigan fans, hey, pump the brakes on getting so geeked up because Shea Patterson's coming to see you. Uh, he transferred from Ole Miss because uh, he he lost the starting job there. Uh, I forget. I think you pronounced the kid's name, Jordan Ta'amalu, uh, who uh, was the quarterback at Ole Miss that uh, beat Shea Patterson out. And Shea Patterson's a super talented guy, no doubt about it. Um you know, Wisconsin, I think it's, they think it's kind of addition by subtraction over there. Alex Hornerbrook transferred out. Um, it's Jake, Jack, excuse me, Jack Cohn's uh, show now. He still has Jonathan Taylor to hand it to. Um, Michigan, it, this is going to be just a, a slugfest Big Ten game. Michigan's going to try to line up and just pound the ball. Uh, Michigan with Shea Patterson, I think, will try to, to spread it out and move and, and, you know, put some points on the board. You know, it, it should be a – I would say it'd be a good game. I don't know. But Wisconsin just has a, a habit of playing ugly ball games. Um, I think uh, – I'm going to go ahead and st- – I, I, you know, I pick Michigan. I'm going to ride with Michigan again. I'm saying Michigan. Uh, let's look for Michigan to win that ball game. They're getting three and a half points. I think they win the game straight up. Uh, let's see what happens. we got Utah playing out at USC this week as well. Uh who who you know once again who cares there's no excuse in USC being as bad as they are there's just not there's just not i mean I, that the the higher you know you just have to to really scratch your head at how in the world USC and you know Lin Swan just resigned from USC uh but and, and he, he why would he he didn't you know he didn't even hire Clay Helton but that Clay Helton hired at USC was a head scratcher. Why Clay Helton is still the coach there is a head scratcher. And because of that, they're just toiling in, you know, it's not even mediocrity. You know, they beat a, a, a bad Stanford team, it, it, it appears, a couple of weeks ago, turned around and lose to BYU at home. Um, now they got Utah coming in. I think Utah wins the game uh, pretty handily. Utah is going to be jacked. They see that uh, they have an opening now to win that conference. And, you know, hey, Utah runs the, the the slate in the Big 12, or the uh, excuse me, the Pac-12. Who's going to tell me they're not getting in the playoff? You know, they're the last one out. I think we all know between the the other between the ACC, SEC, uh, Big Ten, and Big 12. 
But if Utah goes undefeated and somebody else has a loss, eh, you know, there's going to be a big push to get them in. But, you know, and it's a long season. Who knows if there'll be, you know, four undefeateds. There might not be any undefeateds. We'll see. Um, So let's get on. We'll talk a little. That's the college football slate. Let's talk a little NFL action. Um, You know, and, and again, we're here in Atlanta. Everybody, or not everybody, but, you know, the majority of the people listening, we we want to talk Falcons football. You know, that Falcons first game of the year, I was like we all were. I was I was excited. I was I was jacked about it. I was um, you know, camped out ready to watch kickoff from Minneapolis. And as the game progresses and as we fall further and further behind, I wondered, did this team just Break up after game seven, 16 last year, after week 17, game 16. Did they just all go their separate ways and then meet back up in Minneapolis? Did, was there any preparation whatsoever with the Atlanta Falcons football squad? Because I couldn't tell watching that Minnesota game. Completely embarrassing. From Arthur Blank all the way down to the, to the assistant water boy. I do... Uh, Got to give them credit. The, so I forgot that game. Coming home Sunday night against the Eagles, I felt like they play, they obviously did a lot better. I did like the emotion and the physicality that the defense played with. Um, seeing Vic Beasley get after the quarterback, quite frankly, was kind of something we as Falcons fans don't see a lot, right? Uh, I think a healthy Grady Jarrett. I think a healthy Tack McKinley on the other side. Help Vic get to the quarterback. I think, you know, it's strength in numbers on the defensive line. If if you can whip your guy and you can get to the quarterback, then they're going to have to double you, and then that's going to free another guy up. And if that guy can whip his guy and get to the quarterback, you know, they've only got five guys to block four. Not everybody can be doubled. And if you've got guys that are making plays, you can be a good defense. And the Falcons the other night looked like they were headed that way. What can you say about Deion Jones? Just unbelievable speed from that linebacker position. He makes plays that offensive coordinators don't count on him making. They draw plays up and they don't account for him because he can't get there. He gets there and he disrupts what they're trying to do. He's that physically talented. Secondary look, um, you know, I'm not giving too much. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not blowing uh, Desmond Trufant up too much. He had two picks uh, on awful throws. But still, their picks, he was in the right place. Uh, Keanu Neal scares me, guys. Keanu Neal scares me playing safety because I think he is a linebacker that is wearing a DB number and playing DB. Um, The play after the Julio Jones touchdown, um, Carson Wentz had Nelson Aguilar going down the sideline. He was behind the cornerback. Uh, we would have to assume that the cornerback thought he had deep help uh, and that that deep help was Keanu Neal. Without knowing the defensive call, we really don't know. But regardless, Nelson Aguilar has a touchdown if he just catches a ball that any nine-year-old could catch. He looked up uh, and the ball slipped through his fingers, luckily for the Falcons, because he had a touchdown uh, and we would have trailed in the game with uh, a minute or whatever it was to go. Um, the play after the, the fourth down play, 
that Wentz just tossed the ball up off his back foot. Aguilar was 10 yards behind our defense. I don't know how that's allowed to happen. I don't know if that is a Keanu Neal deal or I don't know. But, you know, and it sounds like I'm railing on Keanu Neal. I'm not, but he is a hell of a player. He's obviously a hell of a leader. He is a hell of a hitter. He brings it every day. I'm just worried about him playing out of position, you know, because that's you don't need your free safety to KO people. You need your free safety to make plays on the ball when somebody when somebody nobody gets behind the coverage. When people get behind the coverage and they throw the ball, you got to break it up. You got to cover a lot of ground, and I'm worried about Keanu Neal being able to do that offensively uh, through two games. It's it's kind of early. Uh, it looks like Matt Ryan, well, it doesn't look like it's a fact. Matt Ryan is not on sync with Dirk Cutter yet. Um, the athleticism of those wide receivers uh, will take away some of those deficiencies. And hopefully as the season progresses, everybody can get in sync. That offensive line, like I told you, the offensive line is just okay. They're average. You know, they're going to have some awful plays and they're going to have some good plays. That's That's what average is. You know, that's how you get to be an average. You have just as many good as you do bad. You know, but they're not as bad as they were last year. It is an improvement. Uh, and, and they will be more effective. And Matt Ryan will be a little more comfortable back there than he was last year. So I'm looking I'm looking, looking to see how they react now. The door is wide open in the NFC South. The Drew Brees injury, uh, he's out for, they say, four to six weeks. Let's split the difference, say, five games. I don't know. Uh, they have one loss. Now, as we sit, um, the Panthers guys—they're over. Uh, Cam Newton uh, is done. Uh, you know, uh, saying he's done may be premature. There may be some surgery he can do, but Cam Newton just is not right. His shoulder is not right. He can't throw the football. You know, we thought last year that he had—he was hurt and he would get off-season surgery and he would be fine. He's not fine. If you're not fine, game one, game two. And, and you've had all offseason to get fine, you know, there is no magic formula. You can't rub voodoo cream on it and get healthy. Tampa Bay Bucks are sitting there thinking they've got the, an opening. I personally just, I will never believe in Jameis Winston. When Jameis Winston's own teammates look at him like he's lost his mind when he's over there trying to pump him up by eating his own fingers or whatever it was he was doing, you know, Jameis Winston's a clown. His own teammates know he's a clown. Um, he's not leading them anywhere except to Bush Gardens or somewhere like that or wherever down there or to Ybor City or something like that. And I don't even know if they'll go with him there because he eats his fingers. Bruce Arians is a hell of a coach. Uh, if they had another quarterback down there, it may be something to worry about. But the Bucks just aren't doing it this year. This is the Falcons' division to lose. Let's see if they can put it together and do it. Um, I know a lot of people, it's football season. I get it, guys. I get it, but I have to talk a little Braves. Um, we have to give the Braves their credit. We have to give Brian Snicker his credit. Uh, this guy, you know, the last two years, Brian Snicker is 53 games over 500, and he's going to win two divisions with teams that were picked to finish, uh, depending on who it was, either third or fourth in the division out of five teams. And the reason they were picked there is they look at lineups. You know, these guys that all they do is break down baseball and break down lineups. They picked the Braves to finish 
you know, either third or fourth each of the past two years because they didn't think they had talent to compete with Philly, with Washington, with the Mets. What does Brian Snicker do? He goes out and goes 53 games over 500 and absolutely clubs the Phillies, the Nationals, and the Mets just like a seal. Bashes them over the head, time in and time out. Last week, the Nationals came to town. They wanted to make a move. They thought if we can win some games from the Braves, and the Braves have now, they played six games. The Braves won four out of six, actually picked up two games in the standings. Magic number is three. Um, the Braves are going to have time to set their, their lineup. They're going to have time to get everybody fresh, to get the pitchers fresh, uh, and, and set the lineup for the playoffs. Now, the good thing with the Braves is they'll be the second seed behind the Dodgers. They won't face the Dodgers until the National League Championship Series. And if the Dodgers, now we're Washington haters now, okay? No doubt about it. But if the Dodgers have to face that national staff, it's not going to be a cakewalk, y'all. It's just not. Max Scherzer is good. You know, Steven Strasburg, good. Corbin, good. They got guys that can play. If the Braves can get it right, they 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 can make a run. It's like what Bill Parcell said. You just got to get in the tournament and anything can happen. Parcell's called playoffs the tournament. The only guy that says that. But it's Parcell's. He's the only guy that did a lot of things. But if the Braves, they're in. Let's just line it up and see what happens. St. Louis Cardinals won the World Series back, what was it, 11? Some say the worst team to ever win a World Series. But you know what? Those World Series rings are just as shiny. They got hot at the right time. And I think the Braves have that opportunity. You know, the the addition of Dallas Keuchel, Fulton Navitz looks like he's getting right. Guys, and here's the thing with Fulton Navitz. If Fulton Navitz can just get in his own mind that I am a bad you-know-what, then he could be unstoppable. I've said since Fulton Navitz came up, This guy has an electric arm. He's got John Smoltz-like stuff. Nasty fastball, nasty biting, breaking stuff. He just has to to believe in himself. And and he looks like he's done it. Max Fried, Mike Soroka. Young guys look like they're going to be around forever. Had stretches throughout the year. They were dominant. If they can get it for the playoffs... Just to add that much more fire to the Braves' arsenal. Julio Tehran, I must admit, I was a Julio Tehran detractor. Uh, I wanted the Braves to trade him back when he was in the minors before he came up because he was hyped as the you know number one pitcher in the uh, in the uh, organization, you know top ten in Baseball America's minor league uh, uh, prospects. I just didn't see it translating with him. Not that I'm this baseball guru, but just based on, you know, the way he looked, the way he, his body, the way he delivered it, what his, you know, the way his uh, velocity was. I just thought maybe we should trade him. Uh, and he had his down years, but now he's, he's had a great year. Credit where credit is due. The trade that the Braves made at the trade deadline, Shane Green, Mike Melanson, Mark Melanson, excuse me, Chris Martin, not the Coldplay dude. These guys, right after the trade, it looked kind of dicey. 
I mean, those guys came in and were just getting shelled. Uh, now, I mean, they're lights out. It's going to be fun to watch his Braves team. Um, going to be fun. I, I um, hope to get down there. I um, and, and again, just can't give us enough credit to the job Brian Snicker's done. You know, this guy, Alex Anthopoulos, I think he's, he's just been looking for reasons to fire him. He wants to bring in some big name. That may be, um, you know, Alex Anthopoulos' guy. But Snicker just doesn't let him. Snicker, you know, he's 18 games over 500 last year, won the division. He's 35 games over 500 as we speak this year, won the division. Snicker says, I'm staying. You're not getting me out of here. It took me 40 years to get to the bigs as a manager. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere, brother. Well, guys. Like I said, I appreciate you guys. Um, I appreciate you taking time to listen. I appreciate all the support. Uh, I appreciate the um, support that you give my lovely sponsor, Pickers Vodka. Pennington uh, Distilleries creates Pickers Vodka. Uh, they create as well. They create a, a Tennessee whiskey, uh, Davidson's Reserve. Um, really good stuff. Uh, I think you try that. Do a taste test with your preferred uh, vodka or bourbon or whiskey, I think you will believe, you will agree with me. And plus, again, um, you know, I'm a champion for small business in America. It is the backbone of America. Support Pennington Distillery, support Pickers Vodka, support Davidson's Reserve Bourbon, and you're supporting small business. You're supporting uh, 14 at last count. I, they may have hired somebody. They may have fired somebody. I don't know, but 14... Uh, families, 14 hardworking families uh, when you buy Pickers or Davidson's Reserve. So go in your local package store, pick it up. If they don't have it, ask them for it, get it, try it. Uh, you won't uh, regret it. I'm going to come with the uh, solo podcast, the stamp of approval. Uh, now that football is here, I'm going to try to come uh, more frequently. We've got stories popping up every day that I know we need to talk about. Uh, we've got games that, that just happened we need to talk about. we got games coming up we need to talk about. Give me a, a shout either on, on the Twitter, on the uh, Instagram, on the Facebook. I know I sound old saying that, but I am. Uh, I'm, just, I'm Bobby Stamps everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Give me a shout. Let me know, uh, you know what you want to talk about. If you agree with me, disagree. Uh, and we'll get into it. We'll talk about it the, uh, the next episode. So, again, guys. I thoroughly appreciate you taking time out of your day. I thoroughly appreciate you uh, listening to me. I know there are tons of other options for you out there, and it means the world to me that you're listening right now. Uh, God bless you all, and we will catch you next time for the stamp of approval, which will be, God willing, volume two. Good luck to everybody. Good luck to your teams this weekend. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and comment. This has been a Hyphen Podcast Network production. They're the bestest. I'm getting paid at exposure.